What's going on, y'all? I'm Brad. I'm Jeremy. And uh, we've been talking about things concerning reconciliation for a long time now. 20 years now. I'm white. I'm black. And we thought if we talked together about it in podcast form, it might serve some people. So let's, let's do talk it. about it. Broken and different. That's what we are. That's us. Blinded by chasing heaven's brightest star. Sun. We going towards him. We run with limps. We got, if got, you got, respond got, accordingly, you'll learn to hobble with, hobble with till we find where glory be. What glory at? No pros or experts on this That's journey. We are just learning how Jesus, Jesus makes art out of our life's debris. Hey, Brad. What's going on, Jeremy? Not much, not much, man. I wanted to talk really briefly. <clears throat> about uh, gospel presentations hey. and how they uh, are kind of centered and biased on uh, a particular perspective, cultural perspective. Uh, the biggest contrast I could think of is is the bridge diagram. You know, mm-hmm. you have the two bridges, you have the two sides. I always like drawing alligators at the bottom of the pit, and then the, <laughs> and then the cross, it comes and saves us, and you cross over to the other side. And it's a very individual encounter. You yeah. as an individual come to the knowledge that you cannot be saved by your own works. Yeah. You come across the cross of Jesus Christ yep. to an individual relationship with God, you know. Maybe four spiritual laws would be another expression of this. Mm. But in contrast to that, James Chung, uh, not, you know, majority culture dude, Asian American, yep. developed another way of sharing the gospel called mm-hmm. the four circles. And the four circles is all about we were in sin. We you know, uh, embraced and colluded with evil. Yeah, we it have broke been a relationship impacted. between us. Yes, between us. We are broken. You know, there's a dividing wall between us yeah. now. Um, there is an individual component there in the salvation story, but yeah. it's framed within a communal kind of context, which is really interesting because it's not radical individualism. It's not presented yeah. as only an isolated you know, compartmentalized salvation, it's a, there's a collection here, there's a cultural reality here mm-hmm. and brokenness here that you as an individual interact with, but with responsibilities to the whole. Yep. This, this to me brings up the, the subject of decentering whiteness. All right. So, and, and so I want to hear some of your perspective on kind of that contrast, the need for it. What does that really mean to decenter whiteness? Does that mean like we just gonna kill all the whiteies, you know? Because um, that's that's you know I kill all I, the who I, kill I, all the whiteies. He says you all you hear it here. You know, this is where you are gonna hear. That's that. right. That's right. And you know you know that's not true because you know being a white male, uh, I that's problematic you know, for you. That's man. problematic for me. So I I don't think that's exactly what it means. But like let's get into some of the nuances because this seems to be very important. And it, I mean, even at the most fundamental level of soteriology, you know, how yeah. people are saved, how we communicate the gospel to the surrounding world, are we doing it in a dominant culture, white way that's missing some perspectives? Yeah. And how do we, how do we decenter whiteness in all things? Yeah. You know, not just in sharing the gospel, but conferences and leadership styles and communication styles and all those type of things. So maybe you could just kind of comment a little bit on that. Yeah, like, man, man. Fill me in here, man. Yeah, man, I it's interesting. So this country, I just think as it started in its early days, it was all about the dream, the American dream. 
Um, and of course, slavery existed, this hideous um, system of dehumanizing folk for the sake of gain. Um, and there was, there was some religion involved in it, but for the most part, it was like, you, you're trying to, even those who start from nothing can gain so much, right? Um, and there's this old gospel presentation that some of us will know, some of us won't. It's called The Book of Many Colors, right? And this had to come out of like old time America because it was actually the first gospel presentation that I, that I heard uh, and saw. And it was this book that had, it was, it was, the cover was green, like it was green, but it was no words. It was just colors as you open it. Is this like the color bands? The I've color, never it's heard like this. the beads. I didn't, gr- like I didn't the grow beads, up evangelical, so like I have no clue yeah. about this. I didn't grow evangelical either. I grew up missionary about so I'm you no, know I'm what? CF did shared- it to me. Child Evangel- Evangelism Fellowship. So I think that was an evangelical organization. Well, even, you but you guys share the gospel. Yes. Okay, so yes, yes. I mean that's a form of evangelicalism. Okay, guys. Right? So like gospel yes. sharing. We did not share the gospel. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like we you. were against altar calls. We boycotted Billy Graham because he did altar calls. Yeah, no, no that's what I'm saying. Like, Yo, I'm learning about your background. No, man. Like we did not do that. Like that was like frowned upon to like gotcha. share the gospel. It's like basically you became a Christian like mysteriously. Yeah. Kind of thing. Wow. You know? So like we believe people came, became Christians, but you had no part in that. Gotcha. Because gotcha. that's human works. Okay. Right. So, so the whole sharing gospel, altar call, yeah, confession of faith, that was like not a thing. Yeah. Anyways, so just just so you know, gotcha. I don't. I'm starting from a negative. I have sure. no clue what you're talking gotcha. about. Okay. okay. So I, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna help you out. Yes, help me out. Um, this gospel presentation. So, like I said, there's this history. This gospel presentation had to come out of like this. I would say a white centered culture, okay. because this is how it started. The book was closed in green, right? It was enveloped in green. You open the first page, and the person would quote, we've all sinned, and it, the page was all black. Yep. So I'm a yep. little black boy looking at this book, and they say blackness, like black is, is sin. Yep. It's sin. Um, but Jesus died for your sin, and they would turn the page, and it was all red. It was like he shed his blood. That's what the red was for. To make you clean, and then they turned a the page, and it was all white. Yep. So the white, the color white, was that you were clean. Um, and when you accept him into your heart and believe that he died, was buried, and rose third day, uh, he washes you clean, and you become white as snow. That that was mm-hmm. commonly said, okay, white yes, as snow. Yes. Then they would turn it, and because of that, um, uh, they would turn the next page and say, uh, "You get you get to go to heaven." And the next page was gold. Okay. So it was all about heaven, where there's streets of gold, and you get your own mansion. Mm-hmm. That was that was like the big pull about heaven. Um, the mansion. This is the the okay. establishing the fundamental gospel taught to the, me as a young kid. Okay. And then it it was closed in green, so it's like so. While you're here, grow. That was green. Green was like okay. grow in knowledge of the Lord and Scripture and all that, so that you can get to heaven. Yeah. Um, that that does that sound? I'm like that is like late 1800s. That yeah. that's like massa type. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a massa gospel. <laughs> like that that is is. Tough. That sounds similar to like the the white lie black lie. Okay. Right. You know, there's like a there's a 
coloration put on something, mm-hmm. saying something's, you know, uh, greater morality or lesser morality based on color. Yeah. Which then we we talk about each other in colored terms. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a black person. This is a white person. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to just go, okay, black is sinful. Black is bad. Black is evil. Black is a worse lie. White is good. White is pure. Mm. White is, a, you know, yeah. So so yeah, this is problematic. Seems yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> It's very problematic, very problematic. And it's interesting to me, just as a side note, it's interesting to me how, like, we we can uh, somehow society, I think it's because society is centered on whiteness, just puts, like, whiteness in all things good, right? Like, mm-hmm. whiteness goes towards things good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then somehow the things that are not good don't get, you know, talked mm-hmm. about or, mm-hmm. you know, because let's just be real. The thing that we sit on to to... to a dookie in oh white. yes that's right that's right nobody talk about well that. let's be honest i'm more pink than i am white Ooh, ooh. okay so, so anyways conversations <laughs> for another time um uh so um this decentering whiteness man is interesting i was talking to a young lady and she was she says brad man i'm just angry this is recently actually she says i'm angry she's like when i she had been thinking about her ethnic journey, growing in her ethnic identity as a black woman, and she was like, I'm angry. I said, what's going on? She said, uh, the other day I was closing my eyes to pray, and all I could picture was white Jesus. Ooh. And that just made me, I'm like, all of now I'm just angry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I shouldn't be picturing white. Like, I don't want to see a white Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, that's probably a good anger because Jesus mm-hmm. ain't white. No, Jesus he- is a... It, corners, if hair, we hair like wool. The best we could do, if we mm-hmm. had to guess about what Jesus might have looked like, is just an average, not necessarily attractive Middle Eastern man. Like yep. this yep. is who he was. And so try to picture that when mm-hmm. you pray. In mm-hmm. fact, that's my practice. This is like I just picture it. They actually have a, it's something online you can look. They try to reconstruct what Jesus may have looked like based yeah, on yeah, that, what the average yeah. man, Middle Eastern man looked like in his day. And I just try to picture that guy. Just an average dude that I can just mm-hmm. chat it up with. Um, so, anyways, uh, that is a product of whiteness being centered. Centered, yeah. Uh, okay. It is that the art that we see, the religious symbols that we see, usually his disciples, Jesus himself, is depicted as a white man. Blue eyes. Uh, blue eyes. Uh, There's not a whole lot of blue eyed folks. Somehow shampooed, yeah. combed hair. Like yeah. just straighten, straighten. Yeah. Uh, don't got can't can't have ashy legs because his, his legs ain't they ain't got no pigment in them. They ain't no. got no melanin. No, no, um, none. So uh, and then is he wearing sunscreen too in the movies? I there you go. You I I, yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. Not, sunscreen. I, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't run with sunscreen that much. Yeah. I don't necessarily <laughs> need it that much. <laughs> I need it all over. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, so that impacts uh, the imagination. So white centeredness impacts the imagination, which is which is that's a deeper subconscious thing, man. Yeah, you know that's not just like surface level or conceptual. That's like that's some deep stuff coming up. And then if you think about our practice, if you think about how we make altar calls and we call people to Jesus, it's usually individualistic, even though most folk outside of white culture, most cultures are closer to a collectivistic type culture, which means they value the whole. Yeah. Um, they care about the whole, the, 
not to say that individualistic cultures don't care about the whole, um, but the, the value is higher for the individual. Um, so uh, the best example I can think of is uh, when, uh, what your parents expect of you when you're 21, right? So I have a friend who's, uh, I believe he's Chinese, who said if he's 21 and he's still in the house, his parents are okay with it. Yeah. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if I'm 21 I'm still in the house, depending on what I'm doing, my parents are okay <laughs> with me being right, there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I'm working towards something, my mom is happy to have me um, in the house. Uh, but most, most of my friends who are white, it's like, you're 21, you should be out of the house. Like, yeah. you should be gone. You're delayed or like, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're gone. Something's gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think so, that's, I think that's changing, but because something has gone wrong, like student debt. Yeah. You know, sure. people can't, you know, recession, those type of things have yeah. like impacted. So that's happening, but it's looked down upon typically yeah. in kind of dominant culture settings. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is and it's this idea that you've become an individual. So yeah. you need to be out on your own doing what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. as a man. Or get, as you, a woman. get your bootstraps, like, you pull yourself yeah. up. Yeah. When in fact, but some cultures is like even when you become that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you forget about the family. Like yeah. It's still about the family. Yeah. Um, and so we're here for you. And we expect you to be here for us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they're usually closely connected, right? Like there's uh, there's gatherings, family reunions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You tend to know your cousins. Yeah. So th- I know we're speaking in general terms, you know. Sure. So there's always exceptions to all this. Yeah, man. Um, you know, uh, I, I know in, in the South, there are Southern families that still get together, family reunions, oh, yeah. that type of thing. But, um, you know, so there are there are exceptions to that. But it tends to be that... They, their mindset still is not like the family, the honor yeah. of the family, yeah, yeah. the collective us. Yeah. yeah, and if you just explore different, uh, so even we can speak generally, but I actually think there's some fact to that. The fact that most white families have the have individual houses. Yes, which sharply yeah. contrasts the the common occurrence of maybe Latino folk having multiple families in one house, um, Hawaiian folk maybe having multiple families in the house, um, and even in African-American homes, um, it, it being the norm to, like, mm-hmm. have multiple families. Um, not to say that individual family living isn't a thing, but it's also just common. Um, it's a common thing to have multiple families. But all that points to, like, this collectivistic value. Um, and yet, our practices for calling people to Jesus tend to be more so individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's reflective of like a white-centered gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so decentered whiteness for the church, I, I think, is about uh, uh, taking where it, there should be Jesus at the center and his call to all people um, mm-hmm. that may have been replaced with Jesus called to white people, even if we don't know. And it's saying not yeah, to white people in, in their culture, white in their people culture. in their culture. Yeah. So it's not just so it's not. And so that that actually like, especially in evangelical or that's pretty white, you, you see uh, uh, leaning into like uh, preaching is like, I don't know, lecture. And mm-hmm. logical and all that, and mm-hmm. so intellectual, emotional, not as emotional base, emotional yeah. base, mm-hmm. and using your body—that's not necessarily mm-hmm. as prevalent as in mm-hmm. minority communities, especially black communities. Uh, and so, uh, 
it's really saying not let's kill all the whiteies. It means let's put them with everybody else. Right. Let's decenter that and make sure that Jesus is at the center mm-hmm. of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so one way in which I, I, I realized that I, I was at a conference and I realized I was speaking at this conference. I had to make a decision on how I was going to make an altar call. And I realized, man, all of our altar calls are, tend to be uh, like, like radically individualized, individualized. Yeah. Like if you want to say yes to Jesus, you stand up, you come to the front, you whatever, take us on, whatever the, 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 re- the response is. And I was like, man, but that's not necessarily my people like uh, group discipleship more fits my upbringing um group learning uh fits my background and my spiritual maturing and so i was like how do i do this like and that that tends to be common among black folk and even different ethnicities of black folk so how do i do that and so i made the my call was i said i made a call to folk but i said look if you want to say yes to jesus you come up but bring somebody with you because they need to tie a little band around your wrist, and you need to do this together. Um, right, right. And they, they, bear, they both are a witness and somebody that's participating in your journey saying yes to Jesus. Yeah. And so nobody came up alone. Um, and th- for me, that was a way to decenter a white, uh, 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 a response that more reflects a white experience. Well, it's, it's holistic, right? So there's still an individual giving a response. Yep. Right. So we're not negating the fact that we as individuals have a personal relationship with the God who made us and, and has created us. Yeah. But what's being included now is more of a collective response that makes yeah. makes broader sense. So if you are maybe uh, in, and I don't know this conference if there were uh, dominant culture people there, but if there were dominant culture people, it would still make sense to them because I'm individually making a decision for yeah. Jesus. But it also included a paradigm in which there was a response that would make sense more broadly to other people of color mm-hmm. in the room. And so yep. and to me, I'm going, man, that's that's really excellent inclusion. So decentering whiteness isn't getting rid of whiteness. It's yeah. the inclusion of everybody into the conversation. And, and almost like if the focus is only on one thing, we're off. So if the focus is only on one particular cultural paradigm or way of thinking, we're wrong. We, we cannot mature in Christ in that. But if we if we back up just a little bit, and we could actually focus in on all these cultures and ethnicities, mm-hmm. you know, we get a fuller picture, and now we could actually mature in Christ. Because in, yeah. in, and we were talking about this just before we started recording, but you know, in the Torah, there's space in in the law of God for Israel to to repent collectively as a nation. Yes, for them to repent as a community or a town, and then for mm-hmm. them to repent as an individual. Yeah, you know. And, and also, for sins they didn't even know existed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, yep. that, that process of repentance, that is so comprehensive. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it tends to be dominant culture will, will just pick the individual one and say, we only repent as individuals, even though the Scripture itself contains all these forms of repentance. Yeah. You know, and we kind of need each other. And I would say probably different cultural ethnicities probably focus in on different ones. So that's why we need each other. We're not going yeah. to full, find the fullness of repentance or the fullness of maturity in Christ without unfocusing off of one yes. so that we can focus on all, you know, or basically decentering whiteness so that everybody could be a part of the game. Yep. You know, uh, that, that's how I, I kind of see it, you know. Yep, yep. And, and, and I actually think 
decentering whiteness while I've heard more I have I've heard mostly minority communities engaging in this and minority individuals yeah. engaging in this I actually think if if you're a leader of a community uh, and you want to see your community go towards true multi-ethnicity then that's a conversation you got to have and so so how do I have that so like I'm a white dude hey so just gonna put that out there um it seems inherent that no matter what I do or think or say, it seems to be centered on yep. m- myself somehow, some way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so is that bad? Is that me just being myself? Where, like, that's okay for me to, like, be myself, but myself yeah. is going to have, like, a centeredness in a particular cultural framework, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to naturally maybe give the more individualistic call, yep. right, to the gospel. Um so, th- so then how do I do that? And if I do that, am I, is, is that good for me? Is that bad for me? Be- because is that some kind of like compromise for me? Because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not fully myself. It, it, that's a very common phrase, being yeah. full of yourself. I, I have a complicated relationship with that phrase because I'm going, well, full of yourself is also like, is, does that include all your bull crap and your sin <laughs> and your brokenness? Because like, like, I don't know why you want to fully be that. You know, yeah. and Jesus is calling you into sanctification and to look more like Him. So that seems I don't not sure you want to be fully yourself, sure, because yourself sure. is messed up. <laughs> you know, um, but if you get what I'm saying, like there's there there is this like I I want to be who God has made me to be. The righteousness in that is that automatically going to center on whiteness. Is that bad? And if I'm going if everybody's decentering whiteness, then how do I get into the conversation? without like imposing that on on others that, that's several questions that Sorry. is several that's fine yeah uh i think there's a simple answer and that is you got to include voices with you like like voices that have authority in your life uh mm-hmm. in, in terms of decentering whiteness because you do need to bring yourself um and if i say bring your full self it's like understanding that yeah you got some bull crap that's why you need to bring other people who are going to be able that you're going to allow to bring their full selves into the room. Yeah. Um, and then you fight like Fight Club. No, not no? necessarily okay. Fight Club, Different. man. Different. No, okay. no, 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 no. Sorry, no. I, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> edit that out. Falls for editing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I think you have to invite voices, and and if you're the leader, allow those voices to have equal say in what happens that's hard and that's, that, that's hard because in some organizations yes especially when there's a white person at the top right my thing is the decision if a white maker per, if the decision maker is always having the last say you got mm-hmm. to know even if you're including like you're considering people who are different if you're considering their suggestion but you have the last say that means whatever form it takes it's gonna always gonna it, lean. It's gonna lean, and your DNA, your your, is gonna lean towards you. Your implicit biases you. are gonna come out at yes. some point. Right? Yes. And but, the, so, but you gotta have a decision maker. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about this. Like, man, like, can a white dude ever be a decision maker ever again? Mm. You know. And I, you know, maybe that'll be a different podcast. But like, yeah. I think that that's a massive wrestling place for, especially white male leaders. Like, given our history, our implicit biases. Um, our inability to respond in righteousness to injustice, mm-hmm. should we ever be allowed to make mm. a decision ever again? 
Like it, we just need to sit down for a generation. You yeah. know, like a generation of leaders just need to be like, I'm, I'm just going to be like, not even second. I'm going to be like third or fourth in like the leadership ladder mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that a, like a way of repentance? And I think that, I think that's a very good question. I think actually every white male leader needs to wrestle with that yeah. and actually cry themselves to sleep a couple of times over that. Mm-hmm. The fact that that might actually be true. Yeah. Um, so, so put that to the side. You have to know if you are still that person in leadership, your decision maker, you know, it's going to come out. You're going to lean a particular way that's biased towards you, you know, and that's going to land on people that are not like you in a, in in a different way. Now, does that mean like, there's just going to have to be some places where you go, like, I, I, I could just imagine I have to be a decision maker. There's going to be some stuff. I just, someone has to take it. Someone has to sign the document, the lease or whatever. And I got to make that decision and I've included voices in that. And I feel like I've heard them, but at the end of the day, I'm, I have to make this decision. And even understanding, it may be leaning towards like white centeredness. Um, but does that mean like I need to have intentionality and say, but these areas over here, like I'm a part of the discussion, but at the end of the day, these couple people actually make the decision. Like I've made the decision to give them the decision making ability. Mm-hmm. Like that's a way for me to still, like if I'm the CEO of an organization, nonprofit organization, or something like, like I still have to make the decision to give them the decision-making power, Yep. you know, even yep. though there's still some things maybe I retain. Did that complexity, does that make sense, or, or am I still off there a little bit? I think it does. Uh, so we, me and you, we work together to, to help see a ministry go from majority white to majority minority. Um, and I remember as a student, um, there, like, w- we knew that one of our main places where students of color and white students would see us and we could maybe pass on ministry DNA was in our large group gatherings. Yeah. We knew that. Uh, we knew that. Uh, so we had, like, a couple dozen small groups that were, like, missional, yes. student-led. But mm-hmm. then we had these large group gatherings. Yeah. Yeah, that we And we knew we, we could kept... influence everybody a little bit yeah. in that place. Yep. Yeah. So was that, it was two, it was two two uh spaces there was the leadership gathering that had like yes. our best folk yeah. um, who were growing in leadership and leading these small group ministries that would happen throughout the week and who also would help you know with like set up and little things for um they're the, the large, servants the large group gathering. Yeah. yeah and then there was the greater body that would be at the mm-hmm. large group gathering i just remember uh even though you were in charge of the large group gathering mm-hmm. and what happened, um, you won, you let me MC as a staff worker. I was a student. You, yeah. you let me MC. Yeah. Um, uh, and there was full understanding what that meant mm-hmm. is that you're not going to be the token black guy. That's right. But your leadership up front means something mm-hmm. to folk. It means something that they're not just hearing my voice up front, but they're hearing somebody else, a strong mm-hmm. leader's voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm not bigging myself up. Yep. Just trying to quote you as closely mm-hmm. as I can. <laughs> um, but then also, uh, also you would ask me, you would share the, the uh, program and the agenda with me and ask me about certain parts of it. Even though I, as a student, you didn't have to. You could right. have just did your thing, but you would ask me if certain things would work. 
Um, and at one point, I think I was in charge. I was in charge of helping with worship. Um, and you would ask me about what we're doing for worship. And you just asked me different parts that you didn't necessarily have to ask, um, but you would consider them and then you would implement them. Mm-hmm. I think like we didn't know it at the time, um, but I think in that way we helped, we helped whiteness not be as centered as it could have been Yeah, um, because of the influence that you were gaining from asking me about what we should do. And um, even as you gave me like announcement, things that need to be uh, uh, communicated, sometimes mm-hmm. things that need that we needed to shepherd the whole group to um, um, through, you would say, hey, this is what we need to say, but, you know, put them in your own words. Yeah, do your own do thing. Do your own thing. Yeah. And I can go, I can look at that, and I can rearrange things, and I can include mm-hmm. things that mm-hmm. I knew that I was considering my own, like people who look like me and some of my friends who weren't white. Like I could, I could include them in how I communicated. Right. Um, and that, that did something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. later on, uh, we started having these conversations about, um, man, what, how can we allow for this ministry to reach every corner, like every people group on this campus? Um, and we had to wrestle with certain things. And one of those things was, okay, we want to preserve this reconciliation characteristic of our ministry, but we also want to, like, give ourselves the best chance to, like, reach black students, to reach Latino students, to reach Asian students. What, what, what if we allowed them to become organizations? Do you yeah. remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we allowed that um, for various reasons, but one of the reasons was we wanted to reach other students. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we wanted to better reach yep. black students, Asian students, because they could students. reserve stuff, they could run their own events. Yeah, yeah. They could have their own tables and advertise. Yeah. Separately, but still be a part of like a collective. So they all. So the leaders from those mm-hmm. those ethnic specific ministries were still coming to a, a collective leadership meeting. They were still coming to mm-hmm. that large group mm-hmm. that we had. Um, but in that way, I think we also decenter whiteness because whiteness usually whiteness says like there's one decision maker, yeah, and they make the decision yeah. for the whole thing. And that and easily could have been me. That right? was your like, right as yeah. a staff. That's yeah. within your role, your job description. Yeah. You you do that. Yeah. But there was a but we made that that became a different organization. And in the culture of our leadership, you gave me absolute authority with Black Campus Ministries. Oh yeah. You're just like. You mm-hmm. know better. You can do better ministry. Mm-hmm. It's yours. Yep. And you gave me leadership, responsibility, and authority without checking in on me. Yeah, in fact, yeah. you would check There's with a, me so about how well know. we were accommodating black students. You yeah. didn't. You weren't like, what you doing with black students? Just to make sure it aligns with my vision. No, it was yeah. like, no, you have absolute authority. And when we doing something that affects the, 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 whole, the, thing. the whole thing, yeah. I will come to you and check in on that. Which yeah. was that was a big deal. Well, and people need to know my personality type. I'm I'm more of a control person, mm-hmm. so like I can I can, you know, I'm a dominant leader. I could be a dominant voice. I look like a cop. Um, <laughs> you know, all the, all these factors, right? I could get loud um, when I preach. I preach with a lot of like certainty and authority and definitive kind of words are used, um, and so. When I when I hear about high control leaders who are controlling mm-hmm. um, leaders of color, 
like genuinely controlling them where it's mm. like they're not giving them freedom they're giving them a script and basically telling them to put blackface on mm. you know there it is that stuff man that's that tokenism and there's a way that i never abdicated responsibility i still felt it was my responsibility for bcm to like reach students yeah you know and yet the way in which i did that was was very much like i need to like lose control of bcm Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a weird tension to go. I feel completely responsible for BCM, mm-hmm. you know, and yet I like, do I know how to reach black students? No, that's yeah. so stupid to think for one second. Like, Brad, let me let me coach you up on how to reach some black students. You know, I, it would just be foolish of me to do that. Yeah. Um, but I do. I could I could see myself in, in. I've had some of these conversations with other like church planner type people where they, they want to know the solution, they want to fix the, the multi-ethnic problem, I put that in quotations, the multi-ethnic problem, mm-hmm. and they, get, they, they, they go down the path of tokenism, yeah. you know, where there's no power. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe one of the differences is that we, we started like associating some of our practices with power also. Mm. Now, how much power you have as like an MC, I don't know, but it was like, hey man, here's a couple things we need to hit, here's some bullet points, but... You, you basically have agency and power yeah. to make choices within that, yeah. you know? Um, hey, man, BCM Ministry, that's awesome. How can I help? I Yeah, you have complete power to, like, yeah. figure that out. And I trust you in that to so that I don't have to, like, police you yeah. type of stuff. But I know a lot of these church planners and, and, and other leaders, it, it gets all mixed up, mm-hmm. you know? They start, you know, they, they want to assure, like, quality control kind of mm-hmm. things, and they throw in the mechanisms— which for for a white male leader to police a black male leader is all kinds of historical like issues yeah. associated yep. with that, and it's a bad look. And yet, the white leader tends to think, "Well, I have to make sure that the theology is good, the quality control mm-hmm. is there, it's aligning with my vision, with our vision, whatever that means." Uh, and it just evolves into like tokenism. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, yep. it's really bad. It's, it's really and bad look. I, I'll, I'll I'll add this. Uh, in response to that, I think you have to check on a leader when you don't trust their discipleship. So I know churches usually like you might have somebody transfer in, uh, like it's various ways which somebody could come up into leadership. In our journey, you were part of my discipleship journey. You saw yeah from it. young yeah. And what was neat, even as a staff worker, where there were technical skills that I needed, communication mm-hmm. skills, yeah. um, um, uh, skills and uh, uh, just follow up and things like that. Um, you made you made sure those were delivered. Yeah. Like that there was a delivery of that. Um, how I and, and how I led, like you didn't restrain me from leading based on like how well my skills were. Mm-hmm. It's kind of happened at the same time. Like I, I got to give you this authority because you have this authority over here. And at the same time, like you would train, like anybody would train somebody who's been employed um, uh, under their leadership. Um, they deliver, they give them what they need in order to yeah. succeed. Yeah. And so I just want to make clear, man, that happened. And then there were also a lot of times that happened before I even came, became a staff worker mm-hmm. under your leadership mm-hmm. um, to where the discipleship was there. Yeah. 
and and quality control. I, I I just think that was us. We didn't really care about quality. We cared about like things <laughs> being good as best we can, yeah. but not to the point where quality control became a major factor. Well, I'm a perfectionist, but I believe in perfection that's beyond the seen world. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like I just because the transitions in our large group and the preaching things were like really sharp and good. That doesn't mean that was perfect Mm -hmm. because the spirit was like way off and people didn't pray and there was no life, you know, it's like, so, so I think some of those changes in my own discipleship also freed me to go. Yeah, man, I have no clue what's what's happening here. And and I I think it's interesting. I, you know, you know, um, Bishop Tim Wynn with his symbols of God, uh, he works with us here in Tampa some. He just moved to New York City. Um, but he came to me one time, and he was like, hey, man, you know, I just want to, like, you know, get some of your notes on this one thing. We had just, like, shared some church planning stuff with some folks. And he's like, man, I just want to make sure I'm saying it the way you say it or whatever. I was like, Tim, man, you need to know from my heart, like, if I wanted you to just, like, repeat what I say, like, I wouldn't, that means I wouldn't trust you. You know, mm. I know you need to like, there's some stuff that you need to learn, but once you learned it, I don't want you to say it the way I say it. Yeah. You know, like, because I, because I hired you, I trust you, you know, and there has to be that freedom. You have to have that freedom to say, say it the way you need to say it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be different from me. And that's got to be okay. Yeah. Now, if I don't trust that, then you shouldn't be employed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's. That's where the blue ocean starts. Like, man, do I want to hire this dude to like work alongside me? That's and, and me and him have had some very honest conversations about like, do you really want to be employed by a white dude? Yeah. You know, because he's had some very hurtful situations, like very unjust situations, being kind of in that position, mm-hmm. in positions of power that've been you know used against him. And so, that's that's just really taught me to go, man. I do need to like share some things with you, but I also got to give the room for you to like uh be a black pentecostal minister there you go and sometimes i'm like uh, did that even work i'm mean, seriously i've been in some rooms i'm like man did that even work like man i didn't hear, hear him say some stuff i'm like okay maybe and of course all the people of color all the leaders of color this happened at this exponential thing man like all these church plans from all uh, hundreds of them every person of color was like man that was amazing like, <laughs> i was like yeah, yeah. what really i was like oh man I'm so glad I'm like not policing this dude. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, like so healthy for me, my soul, but also healthy for all these church planners. They just heard him say it the way he needed to say it. You know, that was very different from me, mm. but it, it worked. Yeah. yeah. You know, somehow it worked. And so there that you keeps go. me humble, you know, <laughs> yeah, me like, man. okay, really? I, I might think I know how to say stuff and explain stuff really well, but that's only kind of to one culture. Yeah. You know, or no matter what, it leans to one culture. Yep. So maybe I'm getting better at, at translating a little bit, but it's, it always leans. You know? yeah. Anyways, and that keeps me humble to go, man, I got to, even as a person that's still in kind of decision-making places, to stay humble and say, okay, this is how I need to operate in that place. Yeah. I think that's really helpful, man. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess... Story, then I'll wrap up. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just remember we, one of the main uh, moments where I realized, okay, 
that I can look back on and say, okay, this this is like maybe a moment where where it's like this is what it looks like to decenter whiteness or be on that journey of decentering whiteness. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, we were at an annual conference and uh, we had the whole, it was like a, a conference and we had a moment to have like a chapter gathering time. So it was like a hundred or so students in the room and we had gotten done talking and we were wrapping up, but we needed to get out of the room. So of course, from up front, as you wrapped it up, um, you were the staff, you were the point staff. I was uh, BCM staff for the, uh, uh, under kind of under your supervision and uh you wrapped it up we prayed and it was like okay dismiss okay y'all we got to get out of the room so everybody's moving and of course the black folk like they talking <laughs> like that's what you do after after you have a gather you talk you're catching up with each other they're yeah. talking about what just happened um everybody's moving they're moving but slow yeah uh slowly and uh it's just normal it's just the norm and uh and i think you had repeated like okay guys we got to go uh, and as you're walking out, you just go, Brad, could you help me out a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> and then you walk off. Yeah. It just like, you didn't say that out of like, I'm irritated that they're not moving. You didn't yeah. say it out of a like, they not listen to the boss. And so yeah, I'm could the, you, I'm could the boss you, man and everybody needs could to Could you help me submit. out before I go yeah. crazy or get mad? It just like, you kind of understood, oh yeah, and there's a dynamic happening here. And it's okay, and yep. I probably I probably can't say anything to them and not look like the man. Like if I get up on the chair, yeah, hey, y'all need to get out. Yeah, yeah, like that's, that's not going. That's not going. Well. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you came to me as the beast at the end, with just like Brad, could you help me out? Uh, mm -hmm. And I just remember going, "Oh yeah, sure, man. Hey y'all, we gotta go." That's all I did. Like it wasn't even like <laughs> yelling. I was like, "Hey y'all, we gotta go." It was just like uh, I just said it mm -hmm. with the yeah. Even tone, it wasn't like yelling at them or trying to kind of like scorn mm -hmm. them. It was more just like, oh, y'all, we got to go. And then instantly, everybody's like, okay, cool. It, like all the black people just like moved. <laughs> like, I got no respect. <laughs> <laughs> but and then we didn't really, th we laughed, we chuckled about yeah, it a little yeah. bit. But there was no like bad blood. It was like, we no. understand. Mm -hmm. We understand it. And, mm -hmm. and we understand that that's, that's probably how it should go. Yeah. Um, so I... I, I, now that I look back on it, I'm like, by the grace of God, there's some ways in which we were able to decenter whiteness and allow the movement of God to work yeah. through our, and build something. I honestly believe it wasn't necessarily us, but God built something um, that was closer to what we would hope in terms yeah, of a multi-ethnic. Revelation, multi -ethnic, a little closer. Uh, movement, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little mm -hmm. closer revelation. Um, and I, I guess maybe my call. My mm -hmm. call um, in terms of uh, decentering whiteness, uh, I think, I think in this idea of decentering whiteness, I, I think it just for folk of color, man, is is going to be to our advantage to just add this to our dis our personal discipleship mm -hmm. and know that it's okay to to actually think back and root out the ways in which you feel like, man, maybe I am not. You know, I, I, I've kind of gone leaned towards assimilation rather than my own personal ethnic heritage, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and uh, that's going to look different for a lot of folk. For some folk who've been in predominantly black, for some of us who've been in predominantly black spaces, it it doesn't 
you don't have to do any. Like you, you're good. Like yeah. it's yeah. still center. But some of us who've been in the multi-ethnic game for a while or in a predominantly white space, you just need to know that's okay to do that mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. Um, to decenter whiteness. Um, and then for some of us who have the privilege of doing it, uh, you'll get space to, you'll get the the opportunity to be in leadership positions uh, to help that. And for those who are called to that job, that yeah. calling, I say the calling of God, um, step into it uh, with courage and really go for it um, and be okay with um, being a prophetic voice in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but carry, so carry courage and carry grace um, in balance. Um, so, yeah, that's my call uh, for folk of color, Amen. man. Uh, Amen. Go into that space with courage and grace and yeah. balance. Yeah, for me, you know, the call would be you got you to gotta understand that there is more than just you. And so getting outside your cultural framing, uh, reading and listening to other voices that are, that are different from you, um, black and brown authors, theologians, they're out there but it's not like readily available, you know. Finding cultural advisors that you not only listen to, but also submit to, like finding ways to actually submit and say, man, I don't get it, I don't fully understand, I'm trying, I'm taking steps, I'm listening, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna submit and go, yeah, man, um, I'm just gonna assume I'm missing something right now. And, and to really embrace that fellowship that I think happens in that moment. Yeah of listening to and submitting to these other voices. I think those would be excellent steps that can be continued along the journey because this isn't just like one moment. We have now decentered whiteness. We've mm. now decentered our our singular culture. This is a journey that that we go on to we actually listen and love each other across cultural lines. So yeah. that'd be my call. Yeah. Awesome, brother. Praise God for that, man. Yep. God bless you guys.